0: This is an Equity Bates Media podcast.
1: Where's that dust coming from?
2: I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn What
1: well, I learned at 20 is welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates, or should I say, hey there champions? Welcome to this electrifying episode of Equity Mates. You are not just here to invest, you are here to master the game. Whether you're a rookie or a Warren Buffett, in the making, we are committed to smashing those barriers and catapulting you from your first investment straight to those life-changing dividends. If you're joining us for the first time, you're not just a listener, you are part of a community of achievers. As always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren, and who am I?
0: Well, Bryce, when you spoke about mastering the game, I thought you were maybe Bryce Lesky in his second year at university reading (laughs) the game. (laughs) Um, Not true. (laughs) uh, I'm going to guess you're Tony Robbins.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: Wow, that was a toughie. (laughs) Yes,
1: I reckon you've my document Tasha. we need to change
0: i promise you i haven't i i was just trying to think like motivational speakers you yes. know all of that stuff t um,
1: robbins yeah yes well if you are joining us for the first time welcome to equity mates this is a podcast where uh ren and i track our journey of investing as we uh attempt to become better investors and we have a massive show today Before we jump in, though, a reminder that while we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal circumstances, so any information on this show is for entertainment and education purposes. Any advice is general. In today's show, we're going to continue the work we've been doing with our mentors. Ren's got a couple of stocks that he wants to pitch.
0: A few crackers.
1: A few crackers. We have a call coming up with uh, an Equitymates community member, Matt, about finding investment opportunities based on what's going on in the news. Love that. But to kick off, as always, news, portfolio changes, let's do it, Ren.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the Google Doc that we used to plan and your first dot point is general market vibes. So, I'm just going to open the floor to you here. What are you vibing?
1: Uh, I'm vibing that um, I reckon a month ago, there was a level of optimism. Yep. Now, level of pessimism.
0: Because inflation came in like a few basis points higher. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't think it's so, actually.
1: Well, no, I mean like um, core inflation is still falling here in Australia. but um,
0: So, we got 5.2%. Yeah. Last month, it was 4.9%. Biggest so, driver
1: is fuel and rent. Yeah. yeah, so that,
0: But they don't expect more interest rate rises.
1: Yeah. See, this is where I, I reckon that tune is changing. From particularly over in the states, where there was a, a sense that the Fed were going to hold them where they are for longer, we had a meeting from the Federal Reserve last Wednesday, where the rhetoric was that it's likely they're going to need to continue to raise to get, it uh, back into the band of two to three percent. Now, the Federal Reserve Chairman has been pretty aggressive and has pretty much stuck to what he said he was going to do. And to be fair, America has the lowest rate of inflation of most developed countries in the world, so it's working. But uh, more needs to happen to get to that point. And I think that feels to me at the moment that is changing the dynamic and it's not as optimistic as it it was.
0: ASX 200 is down 2% in the last month. You can certainly feel the... um I guess it's like an uncertainty. When we it, when we spoke to Christopher Joy earlier this year, um, who's a big bear on housing, he's just a big bear generally. <laughs> <laughs> he was saying that the nightmare scenario that and that he thinks is more likely than most other people, um, and certainly he thinks more likely than the market thinks, is that we had that initial. 12 interest rate rises in 13 months there would be a holding period and then there'd be another rate cycle and that is where like you know the mortgage cliff becomes really difficult and stuff like that and from what you're saying there i'm starting to get echoes of what christopher told us six months ago yeah
1: and his point as well was that additional rate cycle wasn't wasn't priced yeah exactly Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what we're seeing at the moment is reflective of the market thinking that rates are likely to hold more than they are go up and i think chris's point was it's not just going to be another interest it's another cycle of rises so the thing i keep reminding myself as well is you know some of the leading economists say that the the period that it takes for interest rates to to seriously have an impact the lag effect is like 12 months i think i've said on the show and that's like now so, it's buyer beware for me.
0: So, here's my question. I'm going to assume when it comes to the stock market, well, at least I'm going to speak personally, uh, I'm going to continue dollar cost averaging the same amount uh, into the same core ETFs for my core portfolio. And then in my individual stocks, I'm just going to keep looking for value. Like long-term compounders are trading at good prices. For me, like the interest rate story is probably going to be a story of more opportunity popping up in individual stocks. But it doesn't really change my behavior. You and I are both looking at buying a house. You're certainly further along on that journey than I am. Does it make you... For me, there's probably two things you would do. One is just wait and like see what happens. Like the hiking cycle, go, hope the prices fall. But the other thing would be you rush because it's like get a your two years fixed now before the next hiking cycle, if you think the hiking cycle is likely. Are you gonna? Are you? How are you thinking?
1: Well, the third scenario there is that this is overblown and the interest rates don't increase yeah, true, beyond true, one. True. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then, and yeah. then, if what most people are thinking now is that next year we should start to see rate cuts in inverted commas, if that's the scenario, Australian property is just going to go on, a, yeah, another, yeah, yeah. Another, on another rampage. So, I think for me, the way that I feel comfortable comfortable about it regardless of what scenario happens there, mainly if rates were to go up, is just ensuring that the way that we model it, you look at what it would mean if interest rates were at 8%. Yeah. yeah. And it's like...
0: Yeah. I I think for me, the biggest thing is that one month is not a good enough data set. So 4.9% inflation came in last month and everyone was like, have we engineered a soft landing? Are we on a glide path down back to three? Are we going to see this... Uh, are we at, are the interest rate settings that we're at now? The right ones to get us to where we need to go, in a medium term, and then you get one month where it goes up three basis points. Like that's a rounding error. That's like a not a meaningful statistical variation. You go from 4.9 to 5.2, and all of a sudden the market's down two percent. Everyone's freaking out. You're talking about an interest rate hiking cycle, and. People change behavior on the back of that. One month is not enough data to make decisions. Mm. Because if it comes in at 4.6 next month, are we back to like everything's going well, let's Mm. rip?
1: Well, I think a lot of it's being led by the US. And I think more importantly, what the RBA look at is core inflation and it didn't go up. It was um, headline- which, because uh, they exclude things like petrol and rent, which is a bit ridiculous yeah, which considering. Which aren't core anyone's <laughs> living Exactly, to in exactly. Expenses. It's, a, yeah. it's a bit ridiculous, <laughs> but core inflation, excluding the two largest uh, contributors to it, is continuing on a downward trend. So, mm-hmm. yeah. TBC, watch this space.
0: So, we mentioned there that regardless of what happens next, dollar cost averaging for your core portfolio is yeah. the name of the game. Yeah. You sent a chart around to the mates team <laughs> yeah. of your dollar cost averaging points in recent weeks.
1: Yeah. I just looked at it out of interest and I was spewing. Well, tell us. So, my dollar... <laughs> uh, so are you superhero and... and um, Not sponsored. Not sponsored. But and and you can... I'm sure most brokers do it now, but you can see on the chart for your stock, where every buy point you make um, and even sell. And so you can see your dollar cost average play out. And just by, the, by nature of how I've said it, Every point that I've had, I've missed in the last sort of three months or so, I've missed any drop in the market.
0: And when you say because of how you've set it, it's not like, it's just like pure, it's pure coincidence, coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pure
1: coincidence. But I've it because I was looking at it, and it's like my average price and where it is now. I'm just like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's because every time I've bought, it has essentially been the same price because I've missed any sort of absolute peak. I've missed any sort of absolute drop, but I've tended to be on the on the, higher, on the side higher side of the of the average, of the average. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. and I'm like, damn it, yeah. But there's literally nothing you can do about it, and the data set was super small. I think it was only three or four transactions. If you obviously take it out to five years or whatever, it's it's different. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, you expect
0: the the asset to trend up over time. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. So I, I um, it was I was looking at it at a point where the, it was down, and so I thought I'm just I'm gonna just put a bit more in here myself just to try and get my average price down a bit. Nice. I thought that was interesting. Anyway.
0: So, one thing that I was reading this morning, there's heaps of stock chat coming up, but I'm just going to slip one more piece of property stuff in there because I think it is relevant for the broader economic story and a lot of the stocks that we own are going to be very affected by the wealth effect of the housing market. Um, You know, we even saw it with retailers in this earnings season come out and say, they're seeing reduction in spend as people tighten their belts and allocate more to their mortgage Um, we're halfway through the mortgage cliff we've reached the halfway point yay (laughs) (laughs) more than half of australians who had fixed rate mortgages that were rolling to variable have done that according to ratecity.com.au. More than 1.3 million fixed rate mortgages have expired either last year or this year. And they were saying that that is the halfway point. So I feel like now is the time that we start to feel the effects.
1: Yeah, on this point, similar to the lag of interest rates, economists believe that the lag effect of your increase in interest rate going from 1% to 5% for households is about six months. People don't just have it flick over and then all of a sudden, whilst they might be in stress, it takes a while for the action to be made to either sell or reduce spending or whatever it may be.
0: Well, CoreLogic have looked at... So, if people uh, flick over to variable rates, can't afford the mortgage, sell the property. That's kind of... Um, so CoreLogic have looked at short-term sales. They have found that houses that have been resold within two years of purchase have risen slightly to 8.5%. But in August, short-term sales within three years reached a record high from their data of 16%. And interestingly, within that, the number of loss-making short-term resales, so when you sell it for less than you bought it for, has gone up from 2.7% this time last year to 9.7% in the June quarter.
1: Sorry, short term being like rentals?
0: No, 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 short term sales. So buying it and selling it in less than three years has gone up to 16% and the percentage of those that were then sold in that short term window at a loss has gone from 2.7% to 9.7%. Yeah.
1: I was talking to someone the other day, I'm not going to mention, but they bought a, an apartment in, um, in the middle of Darlinghurst. You would think Darlinghurst, safest houses. And uh, bought it six years ago, so it would have ridden the interest rate rise, but also the boom in house prices. Went to sell it this year. We're getting offered 100K less than they bought it for. So, it's
0: like far out. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bryce. Well, I think that's enough property chat. Let's get into the stocks. Um, We uh, got contacted by uh, a listener from Canberra, Matt, who wanted to talk about building investment ideas and theses off what's happening in the world and in the news. Uh, So, let's give him a call and unpack this.
3: Hello, Matt. So
1: can- Matt, it's Bryce from Equity Mates. How are you going?
3: Oh, good thanks, Bryce. How are you?
1: I am well. I am well. I've got Ren here as well.
0: Hey Matt, how's it going?
3: Yeah, good thanks, Ren. How are you going?
0: Yeah, good. Well, before we get into it, tell us a bit about yourself. You're from Canberra. Love that. What's your uh, what's your story?
3: Um yeah, so I'm from Canberra. I um look, a couple of years ago hated discussing finance and anything, talking money and all that sort of stuff. And then um got onto the FIRE movement from one of my mates and that kind of got me interested in investing and that sort of thing and then came across your podcast and kind of been listening ever since. Yeah, and my question kind of came from um, where I started and not really knowing anything about financials and how to look at what rates of return and that sort of thing were, but more just thinking about scenarios and where there would be opportunities and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that was kind of where I started looking and started my investing journey and here I am. Uh, So my question is looking at some upcoming events. um, I know that was announced recently that Australia is about to go through an El Nino summer. So looking at hotter temperatures and that sort of thing and the potential for, you know, more bushfires and that, that sort of extreme weather scenarios. So thinking about that sort of stuff, is there opportunity there um, that people should be looking at or, or things that are going to affect the market, I guess, over the next six to 12 months?
1: Love it. Uh, you know, we were talking about this in the office yesterday. I think before we get into our thoughts, have you developed your thinking beyond the question and have you thought about what opportunities might exist or how you would actually tackle this? Because it's it's not something that just applies to El Nino. It's, it's something that anyone sitting at home watching the news or reading the paper, like this is a classic way of finding investment opportunities using what's going on around you. Have you thought about the next part of this?
3: Not too deeply at the moment, I guess. I, it's sort of triggered for me. Um, I know you guys in the past have talked about, you know, insurance companies um, and whether or not they're good investments at particular times or I know they go through cycles but if we know we're about to have like an extreme scenario then is that going to disrupt what their normal cycle would be or then looking at um, you know to use go back to COVID for an example it was kind of a once in a lifetime scenario but then we saw how that kind of played out with woolies and coals and what that did to the share prices because they suddenly became you know Really important things within everybody's COVID experience. So, trying to apply that kind of a lens, I guess, to going through an extreme weather scenario.
0: So, we, we've got a, a few different ideas, but the insurance one is interesting because my initial thought was insurance wouldn't do well in El Nino. And, you know, you think about the 2019 bushfires. I, I pulled some numbers. Insurance Australia Group had a $400 million bill for the December half. Uh, at the back end of 2019, SunCorp uh, about 300 to 400 mils. So I was thinking, like, yeah, it'd be tough being an insurer with you know higher risk of bushfires. Uh, but then Bryce found some data that challenged that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The it's all it's the reverse in a situation for El Nino when you've get you're getting these hotter periods. A because. Uh, apparently a lot more people are more prepared for bushfires than if a cyclone rips through or like it's fl- probably, flooding. Probably more you can yeah, you prepare. Yeah, you can prepare. Well. Yeah, yeah. And so the result of that is actually um, Morgan Stanley did some research to find that only 11% of total Australian catastrophe claims since 1968 have been related to bushfires compared to almost 60% from cyclone storms and flooding. So much fewer claims in times of El Nino.
0: I think... Um- uh, their research had 40% fewer catastrophe claims on average in El Nino years compared to La Nina. Surprisingly, but also not surprising when you think about it, motor accident claims are also reduced in El Nino conditions. You're not sliding around everywhere. Yeah, because it's drier. <laughs> so that was so maybe, you lo- maybe you're long insurers. Well, I think Morgan Stanley's pick uh, was Suncorp Group. There you go. Uh, Given its better budget placement and greater exposure to Queensland. Because Queensland gets hit quite hard (laughs) by cyclones cyclones and flooding in La Nina. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. That's one that I initially thought and then flipped it around. But I guess let's take a step back throw some ideas out there. El Nino, it's hotter, it's drier, there's bushfires. I am a very pasty man. So, my first thought was, I'm going to need to lather myself up in sunscreen. Wait, that's just summer for you. (laughs) Honestly, that's winter as well. So, I had a look at who are the big sunscreen makers in Australia. There's one company that does a lot, Baxter Laboratories. Not listed. There is a Baxter that's listed over in the US, but I don't think they're related. But Baxter makes Cancer Council sunscreen. They make Woolies brand sunscreen. They make heaps more. So, unfortunately you can't invest in it but that's a little nugget of information nice
3: <laughs> but what about if um maybe not the uh the supplier but the um you know looking at the the pharmacist is it um i can't remember the name of it now but isn't there a pharmacy group that's
0: oh like chemist warehouse or um yeah api yeah Australian yeah pharmacy. price yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: but yeah that, that's a good one getting the the retailer who's selling these products that are I guess, going to be an increased demand. I think the challenge with those is you're naturally going to see an increase in demand across summer anyway. So, you're trying to find that, I guess, that delta of what's going to be above and beyond. I
0: think it's like, is it, mater- is it material? You <laughs> yeah. know, like people are going to be buying, you know, more sunscreen from Coles and Woolies and more bottled water and stuff like that, more zupa dupers and ice blocks. But like, if you're talking about like a $20 billion business like Coles or a whatever Woolies is at these days it probably doesn't really materially make a difference like yeah. there are there are other parts yeah. of the market where like it will make a difference that would be my thoughts I
1: think we're, speaking of material I think the big one you can't go past is thinking about agriculture yeah So, there are a couple of ways to look Mm -hmm. at it. You can be looking at companies that supply irrigation, water rights, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think one that I found interesting, I don't have a a stock for it, but is drought resistant seed. Speaking to dad about this overnight, and there's when drought can get particularly bad, um, you know, it can have a pretty significant impact on your ability to grow crop. And so, there are companies out there that have, I guess, GMO'd or have particular seed that is, uh, survives well and, and, um, in, in drought conditions. So in a situation where it's drier for longer, it's companies like that that kind of might present an opportunity. Um, And then water as well. Water scarcity, I think, just generally when you're not getting a lot of rainfall is is a big opportunity. And uh, there's a company listed called Duxton Water. The ticker is DTO. It's the only company. No, no, D2O. D2O,
0: sorry. Uh, Unbelievable that they couldn't get
1: H2O. (laughs) I know. It's the only company listed on the ASX that provides investors with direct exposure to Australian water reserves.
0: Yeah, so I guess they own
3: water rights. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So is this uh, sparking any inspiration for you, Matt?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think um, looking where I guess the impact isn't necessarily immediately obvious because I think, like you said, going back to talking about, you know, woolies and coals and everybody knows summer is hot. So that's probably already factored into the price. So yeah, so looking at where that surprise impact is, I guess.
0: So here's a couple of other ones just to get you thinking. And then I've got a concluding thought on everything that we've thrown out here. Yep. The last El Nino cycle with uh, the bushfires in 2019, Costa Group and Vital Harvest, two of the big agricultural players, they did poorly. Bushfires ripped through a lot of their crops, uh, more died because of drought. So those two companies didn't do well then. Elders is another agricultural company that benefits from livestock sales and so 2019 was not a good year for them because of uh, in livestock sales as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's some agricultural plays for me as I was thinking about it though, I was like, yeah, but a lot of these companies would also get affected livestock, not so much, but crops would get affected in storm seasons as well. Mm. So like, that's just the nature of agriculture. It's brutally tough. uh, And so maybe uh, like, again, it's like how material would it, be like how much would it change everything and you know what we lived through in twenty nineteen probably or maybe not the same in twenty twenty three. Hopefully not the same in twenty twenty three. But they're ones to look at. And then one other one, Super Retail Group is a uh, it it owns BCF, Boating Camping Fishing. It owns Rebel. Maybe if there's less rain, it's hotter. There'll be more outdoor activities. So, those <laughs> companies will do well. Yeah. Material. Unless there's heaps of fires, then those companies <laughs> probably won't do well. Face masks. People will stay inside. But that's another one to, to think about. Yeah. And then finally, one company that I've come across recently that we're actually going to speak about a little bit more uh, later in this episode. There's a company that specializes in rebuilding for insurance companies. So, like if uh, you know, like a house or a town is destroyed in a disaster, uh, they get... Called to rebuild. It's called John Ling Group, L Y N G. Um, they make ninety percent of their money from insurance contracts and like disaster recovery and stuff like that. So that's one that I'd never heard of, but it's an interesting one.
1: Nice. My concluding thought is: watch out for. It was in the same article that the Morgan Stanley stuff on insurers was. Is watch out for inflation as well, mm-hmm. particularly through food. If we're if no one can grow avocados, those avocados are going to go up in price and input costs into a lot of the food that we eat so a watch on on inflation
0: my concluding thought is just like be careful about being too short term with all of this you know like everything we've spoken about here like it's fun to think about and i think it's a good exercise to think about like the first order and then the second order effects of change like that's um it's a good investing muscle to build but el nino will pass and like if you've invested in a bad company because you think that like the weather conditions will help it the weather conditions will change and then you're just stuck with a bad company so it's like make sure you're confident in the company as well
3: yeah yeah i definitely agree with that and i think like i said it's looking at a you know a kind of a short term something that's going to disrupt how people would normally behave or disrupt how the market would normally behave but obviously being aware that ultimately you know mostly things will come back to normal so not banking on it for for too long or too much and yeah being confident in what you pick
0: i mean the the flip side is there might be companies that get hurt in this short-term cycle because of the climate conditions that then offer a very attractive price and you say hey they're not doing well right now but the weather will change and this is a great company and so might be at an attractive entry point Yeah, but that's a whole other conversation whole other conversation <laughs> yeah now
1: Matt uh, Matt, to close uh, I've been briefed by um, our producer Sasha that you're well firstly from Canberra but you're also a Raiders fan and you've had a crack at me for not knowing that the NRL clubs have songs um, so to close out would you mind singing me <laughs> the Raiders song <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I've
3: got to be honest. It's actually um, my partner. She's the, uh, the massive Raiders fan okay. and uh, our new son. So shout out to Josie and Will. Nice. But yeah, no, I think, I think you'll just have to look it up. It's a, it's a banger. Uh,
0: Matt, we're about to take a break and let's go out to break with the Canberra Raiders theme song. <laughs> Love it.
3: <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
0: Nice. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate your time. Don't try and stop these men in green. Hit up
2: and you'll see green. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content.
1: Welcome back to Equity Mates Investing Podcast. We've just uh, had a conversation with Matt and I've now, I have now know two NRL songs, Ren. We've had the Panthers, we've had the Raiders. The Raiders. 16, Far out. I need to bring in a bit of... 15 to go. 15 to go. I need to bring in some AFL songs here. I think they're a little bit better. But anyway... The final segment for today's show is a uh, continuation of the work we've been doing with our mentors. Andrew Page is your mentor yep. from Straw strawman.com and I'm working with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Who's I actually haven't the, checked in with Henry for a while. He's I on was the o- longest European Well, no, no. I was overseas for five weeks and then Henry went overseas. So... We haven't touched base for almost 10 weeks now, so I'm really looking forward to him being back on home soil so we can pick up our conversation to close out the year. But Ren, you've been working in the background trying to find or continue to find those high quality companies that... Both you and Andrew, well,
0: I mean, many investors
1: love to find. I mean, it's the name of the game. <laughs> yes. I mean,
0: once upon a time, you loved to find them as well. Yes. Yeah. So we
1: <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about Resmed last week, yep. and we got great feedback from many of the community who agree with the thesis.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's almost a consensus pick among Australian fund managers at this point.
1: Yeah, too good of an but opportunity. Its
0: price keeps falling, so it's like, is Australia wrong as a country? <laughs> What do you mean? Well, it's like it feels like a lot of the selling. I mean, there'll definitely be people in Australia that don't believe in it, but it feels like globally, like Americans and Europeans are a lot more negative about ResMed, a lot more positive about Novo Nordisk. And it's like Australians, maybe because we're parochial or.
1: Well, it's up 10% in the last five days, so you can't e- complain with that. Equity <laughs> mates bump. <laughs> so, Ren, that brings us to today. You've been working in the background with... You've got three companies that yeah. you want to talk about.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, I haven't bought any of these yet, but I might buy some of them. But three interesting companies that I'd never heard of before that I just wanted to bring to your attention, have a chat about, because this is what I love. I And this is why I love investing. And this is... I'm glad that I've been working with Andrew and that we're sort of making time to do this is just like finding companies working on interesting things that I just, you know, just hadn't heard of before. So I've got three companies. I've got, (laughs) this wasn't deliberate, but they're orders of magnitude different in size. I've got a $2 billion company, a $200 million company and a $15 million company. Nice. You choose, which do we want to start with? Well,
1: firstly, I think the question will be, how did you find them?
0: Just broad reading as annoyingly vague as that answer is but i just have a notes app on my phone where if i come across an interesting company i write it down uh it's like my two research list and just from podcasts i listen to things i read i mean like we're in a privileged position where all we do all day is investing content Mm. um and you know we speak to experts on the show and then we make content for. Social media and emails. Sign cool. up to our emails, by the way.
1: Equitymates.com/email.
0: Yeah, I just have a list and I just work through it. Nice. So yeah. there's
1: there's no initial stage of uh, using screen stock no, screeners no. or anything like that. Yeah. This is just from reading, which we hear from a lot of experts. All right. Well, let's start at the top. Let's go biggest to smallest.
0: Okay, biggest. So uh, when we just spoke to Matt about. Uh, El Nino and finding companies. I yes. mentioned this company, John Ling Group, ASX ticket JLG. It's a little bit grim. So, this company makes its money from rebuilding after disasters. Okay. or not, not just disasters, but like it works with all the big insurers. Like it, it, it's rebuilding and recovery. I'll just read what, how it describes itself provides building and restoration services for insured properties and communities impacted by extreme weather events in Australia. So the insurance building and restoration services business is 90% of its revenue. Then it's got another smaller business, which is just commercial building and construction, which is 10% of its revenue. It operates under 24 different brands. So they may have rebuilt a house near you, your house without you even knowing it. Um, The financial story is really interesting. So in five years, it's gone from $287 million in revenue to $1.2 billion in revenue. Last year's revenue grew by 43% and net profit jumped by a bit more than 60% to reach 62.8 million. It trades on an okay multiple. So it's 36 price to earnings, but it's growing really quickly. Part of the reason why it's not super expensive is because the company has said that this year is going to be tough. Revenue is actually going to go backwards this year. It's going to go from $1.22 billion to $1.14 billion. And that's because it's commercial construction business is in a world of hurt. It's going from $370 million in revenue to $140 million wow. in revenue. So what's that? Why? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, this is I, I've I need to do more research if I was going to buy it. This a is, slow down. This is just like high level what I've yeah, found yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, but the insurance restoration business continues to grow quickly. It's expected to go from eight fifty mil to a billion dollars in revenue. So two very different stories of the two underlying businesses. But here's the thing, Bryce. Here's where it gets interesting the commercial construction business isn't profitable. It lost $19 million last year. The rest of the business made 138.4 million in EBITDA. But then because the $19 million gets wiped off that by this unprofitable business unit, the final EBITDA was 119 million. So reducing the size of the commercial construction business, reducing the revenue there, will actually improve the company's profit because they're making less of a loss. Yes. And so, even though revenue is going to go backwards this year, that's what the company's forecast, they think profit Profit will go up from 119 to 128. And so, that's an interesting business. That's an interesting story if it's just like we're cutting our losers, we're going to take the revenue hit, but we're going to be more profitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: What's the long-term thesis for this though? Like, are More you, climate change. Yeah, it's more climate disasters. change. You're yeah. betting on the fact that more and more people are going to suffer from catastrophic weather events. The,
0: the thesis would be something along the lines of these guys have entrenched relationships with all these massive insurers. Yeah. Insure, it's hard to disrupt that because insurers don't want to be dealing with lots of smaller providers in different localities all these insurers are national players and so they want to be dealing with a national restoration partner. So someone would have to have meaningful scale to then challenge for their contracts. There would be other players out there. Um, And then top line, the amount of work is going to grow because the world has been slow to deal with climate change. And there's just generally like a bigger population and this isn't just like climate related disasters. This is all just also just like Day-to-day insurance stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houses yeah. burned down yeah. or flood yeah. and stuff it's like that. Yeah, it's not just
1: you've been wiped out by a flood. Yeah, yeah. and
0: yeah. so then you make a claim to your insurance company they and then they the call these guys and they yeah. fix it. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, it hails and you get you know yeah. your window repaired and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's a company that I hadn't heard of before. Profitable, growing Meaningful double digits, few little internal tweaks in its business. <laughs> that are interesting. So that's one that I thought i to bring to the table.
1: Nice. All right. So that one was John's Ling Group ASX ticket JLG. Moving down the market cap size, we've got 200 million market cap coming up next. What have we got?
0: Yeah, LGI Limited. Ticker LGI. Yes. (laughs) So I had some work in the waste industry. Well, I worked for Coles, but was exposed to the waste industry. And I find it fascinating. There's money in landfills. I'll tell you what. This company is making landfills greener. Planting (laughs) grass. No. (laughs) So founded in 2009, take a step back. Landfills, when um, like organic matter, food waste, stuff like that, breaks down in landfill, releases methane. Yeah. Traditionally, that just went into the atmosphere. Yep. Greenhouse great. gases. Now there are companies uh, like LGI that are working to capture that biogas, and now they can also flare it, less emissions. Yep. Or they can convert it to energy. Okay. Yeah. So that's what LGI does. They have solutions that yeah ra- range from biogas capture with ERF emissions reduction fund compliant flares to the conversion of biogas to renewable power and then they also use uh, synergistic technologies um, accompanying technologies like um, batteries and alternative energy offtake agreements to you know store the energy or divert it elsewhere but but essentially what they're trying to do is use and monetize the gas being created by landfills they currently have Twenty-six sites, eight biogas to energy or biogas to power, seventeen where they flare it, like but they, burn it. Yeah, but they get you get emissions reduction fund money because it's not being released into the atmosphere. So there's a a better environment. So where,
1: how, where do they burn it? How do they burn
0: it? I don't know. Just get a lighter and
1: <laughs> <laughs> so some other gas is released into the atmosphere, or like. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, you're going to have to. I'm I just, I'm just telling you what I level. know at this stage. Right? <laughs> and then they've got a few other facilities, a number of them creating carbon credits um, and then also selling the energy. 200 mil market cap. The founder is still the CEO. Nice. Love to see that. Yes. But here's what I found interesting. So they've got 26 sites so far. The company predicts. Uh, so there's... 1,100 operational landfills in Australia, 1,100. Of those, they reckon more a little over 200 may be suitable for their biogas solutions. Okay. Um, so they sort of see an opportunity to expand meaningfully. And, you know, for a landfill operator, if they're just releasing the gas and they're not monetizing it in any way, then it's a simple question of like, what's the capital cost to implement lgi what's the ongoing oper- operational cost and how much money do we make back and if that those numbers stack then it's you know you moneti- monetizing something that yeah. isn't currently monetized yeah um so fy23 results for lgi Uh, Revenue up 27% to 30 mil and profit up 35% to 6 mil, 6.5 mil. Having a look at their different revenue lines, all of them grew. So the money they made from energy generation up 42%. The renewable large-scale generation certificates that they uh, earn money from up 4%. ACUs, which are the carbon credits, up 14% the revenue from that. And then they're up their infrastructure construction and site management costs up 55%. So, all their revenue lines are growing, which you like to see. Yeah. But I think it's just an interesting one. Like As much as we all want alternative solutions for waste, mm. the fact of the matter is uh, so wa- far off waste it. to energy facilities, which are big in Europe, are being built here, but they're expensive and they're not going to be... a. Massive solution, and Australians suck at recycling. Yes, well, we genuinely suck at it. Yeah, and so that's going to be a handbrake on closing these landfills down. So, the fact of the matter is, they're here, and companies like LGI are trying to make them greener. So, it's an interesting one that I didn't know about.
1: Love it. Two climate change thematic stocks here. Yep, long term climate to close out. We've got uh, the smallest of the three with a market cap of. Only $14 million.
0: Fourteen mil. <laughs> what do we got? So, this one, uh, shout out to Andrew, my mentor, who uh, interviewed the CEO of this company uh, at Strawman. So, for Strawman members, they probably have heard of this company. It's called Beam Communications, mm. BCC. Yeah, that was a knowing... Mm. Have you heard, heard of it? I've heard of them? them, yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't know how. Are you a member at Strawman?
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. I was until it paid service
0: yeah it's private you can only sign up <laughs> yeah. like once every six months yeah
1: anyway yeah.
0: beam uh, 14 million dollar company micro cap tiny 11 million dollars in revenue in 2018 40 million dollars revenue last financial year wow
1: with a 14 million micro cap yeah micro so good cap. growth
0: so it grew it grew about 60% its revenue this year the company has forecast a similar growth rate this year so growing pretty quickly um It's profitable. $2 million profit. Love it. Which means its price to earnings is seven. What does it do? Great question. (laughs) It it does like satellite communications. So I think it's got some device that if you're like, you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, you can call for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it's sold off. So like why its price to earnings is so small because everyone's like, aren't Starlink just going to come and eat your lunch?
1: On, on that point, I watch a lot of boat videos on YouTube, people <laughs> sailing. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> super yachts and also just people doing the solo travel around the world. A lot of them are talking up Starlink. Oh, really? They love it. You, so a lot of the super yachts, when they would do the Trans-Pacific, you know, it's a two-and-a-half-week journey and in the middle of the Pacific, you obviously usually would have no reception for internet and they've all plugged in Starlink now in a and uh, wow. raving about it, yeah.
0: So to build on that, Alice's parents, my partner's parents, uh, they live in Forbes on a farm. They have Starlink and same thing. Mm. They're just like, it, they say it's epic. I think Flynn's and parents do as well in Barrel. In Barrel, yeah. yeah. And then I've been to a couple of rural weddings and Starlink has come <laughs> up and everyone's like, it's it's epic. Nice. Yeah, so <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Starlink is a song, isn't it? Uh, anyway.
0: Is that related? <laughs> oh,
1: well, every time someone says Starlink, I have this song going in my head, and I'm just thinking it's probably, knowing my luck, it's just probably the completely wrong song.
0: Starships, you mean?
1: No, no, not Starships.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is, I've Googled Starlink song, and there's at least six songs. Yeah,
1: I've done the same. None of those ring a bell, but.
0: Star Walking by Little Nas X you know i don't listen to that stuff (laughs) (laughs) anyway so let's get back to beam so they they create i guess like satellite phones it's probably and they've got some other devices but yeah they're a satellite communication company so you know rural mine sites and stuff like that but these days a rural mine site would be hooked up to the internet with starlink or something else so i think the way that we're speaking about this company and the threat from satellite internet players because it's not just starlink there was um uh, that big British satellite company OneWeb and the French one Yulstat merged as like they wanted to create a company that would rival uh, Starlink, Starlink and they've got both got... One of them was geostationary, so big satellites further in orbit and then the other was doing low-Earth earth orbit satellites, which is what Starlink do. So satellite internet is going to become more and more of a thing and it's going to be more and more of a threat for a company like Beam Communications. But if it's profitable, if it's growing... And if it's trading at a 7 PA, like at some point every company becomes worth buying. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this is <laughs> it. <laughs> but even if I was sure, we wouldn't be giving advice. But it's an interesting one, just purely from the financial story, I think.
1: Yeah, super interesting. 14 million micro cap. Okay, year to date down 26%. It doesn't actually have a lot of movement. Well, yeah, it's, a 14 it's so million small. Dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, PA of 7. Nice, Ren. So, just to recap there, all of these companies have just come through broad reading that you do. Throughout the week and you create your own watch list, I guess. And this is the the highest level of research that you'll do before actually then.
0: The highest level generating being like a, a high level, not high not highest level as in like the most advanced. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, it yeah, like
1: yeah. it's it's high level getting it's like an understanding. First pass. How, yeah, exactly. Like what first does the pass? company do? Are they profitable are the numbers or, interesting? Yeah, is it yeah.
0: worth exploring? Is it growing? Because what I Want to do what I'm working on with Andrew and what I'm sort of, I guess, doing in my own time as well. And I think what a lot of people are trying to do is just find really interesting companies that have a long growth potential ahead of them, like a, um, and then are managed by good teams that will realize that growth. Mm. Like at its core, that's what investing is all about. Strip back the numbers and the jargon and the data and the charts and, All we're trying to do is find great businesses and then like a leech, attach ourselves to them and join them for the ride.
1: Interesting to note they're all Australian companies, either home country bias or just you're reading a lot of Australian... Literature.
0: Actually, I'm, I'm trying to find companies to talk to Andrew about, and uh, he's, he's pretty Aussie focused. Makes sense. cool. he made the point when we first spoke that there's so much opportunity in Australia. Like, there's thousands of listed companies in Australia that you don't know and that are doing really interesting things. Mm. So it's like, until you
1: exhaust that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and you know, you have an informational advantage because you're in the market where most of them are. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to getting Henry back in the studio. Uh, stay tuned. He should be landing in Australia any moment. But that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for joining as always. And if you've just joined us for the first time, welcome. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We should mention that we have an Equitymates newsletter that goes out twice a week. You can sign up at, uh, at equitymates.com slash email. And also you'll find in the show notes today a quick listener survey. We're trying to get your opinion on what we can do better, what you really enjoy about the show so that we can start planning 2024 to be even bigger and better than 2023 uh, with the direction of the show into next year. Ren, as always, it's great to chat stocks. We'll pick it up next week.
0: Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production.
1: In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.